Uh, thank you, Sam. Can you hear me? Yeah, we yes, can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you, Steve. Good morning, church. Uh, I'm so delighted to be given this opportunity to share uh, today on a Sunday morning like this. And I'm going to be sharing on the book of Jude, verses one to four. The book of Jude, verses one to four. And before I continue, let us pray. Father, we just give you all the praise. We thank you for the opportunity to share once again with one another. We thank you, Lord Almighty, for the opportunity uh, for technology that is giving us an uh, avenue to be together and to share together at the same time. Father, we will praise your name and we exalt you. Lord, as we are going to be sharing your word, as you are going to be instructing us today, Father, speak to every one of us. Lord, let your word permeate into our hearts. Let your word do us good. And Lord, we will not just hear your word today, but you will be like Jesus as we use your word in our daily lives. We give you all the praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. So like I said, I will be sharing uh, from the book of Jude verses one to four. And uh, the topic before me is uh, the fight for the faith. The fight for the faith. And uh, uh, I will be reading uh, the first four verses now. Verse one, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in our hearts in Jesus' name. Okay, going into the book of Jude. Uh, let me just say that the book of Jude is a very short book of 25 verses and about 613 words. And uh, there are about eight illustrations and quotations from the Old Testament. Conservative scholars date the writing of this book of Jude between 70 and 90 AD. It was written within the first century after the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let me say that Jude is one of the seven books called General Epistles. The other books are James, first and second Peter, first, second, and third John. And this book was not in any way written to a single congregation or individual, but it was intended for Christian at large. We all know Paul wrote to the Corinthians. In the book of Ephesians, he wrote to the Ephesians and also to Philippians. 
But the Jude is writing to you and I, is writing to the entire body of Christ globally. And uh, let's say that uh, the, the name Jude and Judas are different spellings of the same name. As in, you can call it Jude, we can call it Judas. Jude is like a contracted form of the name of uh, Judas. Jude, the writer of this book uh, is half brother of Jesus Christ. And from the first, first verse of this scripture, it is noted that he is the brother of James. And uh, to ascertain that he's the brother of our Lord, half brother of Jesus Christ, let's look at uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 54. And I read, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this uh, his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Judas, that is the writer of this book. And uh, James was one of the leaders of the early church and uh, the writer of the book of James. To me, the most captivating statement in today's scripture is in verse one. That is Jude, a bond servant. Some uh, uh, scripture, some uh, translation of the scripture says is a, is a slave, a bond servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude is comfortable and proud to tell the whole world that he is a servant of Jesus Christ than being his half-brother. The statement of Jude in this first state, uh, this first verse of the scripture speaks of the transformation that happens in Jude's life that brought about worship. When there is genuine transformation in the man, the man will speak the praises of God and not of men. The man will speak life and not pride. Judas was not a believer throughout the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. We can see this in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 20. Mark, chapter 3, verse 20, that says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. They are talking of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said, his family member said he is out of his mind, as, as in maybe he's having some psychological issue or mental issue. But uh, looking at this uh, statement that Jude, being a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, was a non-believer during his stay here on earth. This is an encouragement to some of us with unbelieving family members. Even Jesus with unbelieving family members, this is an indication that we shouldn't give up on those we love. We shouldn't give up on any member of our family that have not known the Lord. We just need to do our part as in praying for them, constant prayer unto these people and that the Lord Almighty will do his own part of it 
and we all rejoice at the end of the day as they give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. How did Jude become a believer that brought about this statement in the first verse of this scripture? We are still in verse one. Jude became a believer after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking at the book of Acts of the Apostle, chapter one, verse 14, and I read, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayers, that's in the upper room, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Jude was one of them. Jude, he came to the full realization of living with the Lord and did not in any way know who the Lord is. The first statement of the book of Jude is a deep worship of Jesus which is born out of deep revelation, which is born out of deep encounter. <clears throat> Jude understand better who he is to Jesus. He understand better that he is the, the, the born servant of the Lord Jesus Christ rather than his half brother. So uh, with uh, verse one, Those who are called, to those who are called, that is one to those who are called beloved in God and the, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. To those who are called beloved in God, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. All Christians are called for a purpose. It is written there. This word, this scripture is sent to all the Christians in the whole world. And we are called by the Lord. And when you are called by God, you are called for a purpose. All Christians are called to worship the Lord. If you look at the book of uh, the first Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, the Bible says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son. What a privilege. God has called us into fellowship with him. It's a great privilege on our part. He has called us to worship him. He has called us to suffer with him. And that we can see in 1 Peter chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, verse 21, that says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. We have been called to follow the step of the master. And Jude is reiterating this in this scripture today. God Almighty called every one of us for a purpose. He called us to himself. He called us and he set us apart for a purpose. He called us and set us apart for different assignments. And one of the reasons why God has called the whole world, the whole Christian, is written in the book of Jude, and we're going to be seeing it today so that we know part of our calling and we'll do the needful. And uh, God has called us, and whosoever that has called us, which is God himself, he has called us, definitely he will protect us. The good news is that he is with us, and he will always be with us, no reason to be afraid. We'll still talk more about his reason for calling us as we continue the message. 
And when we look at verse two of this scripture, it says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied. And I say this is the benefit of being called as beloved of the Lord. When you are beloved of the Lord, you experience the mercy of the Lord. The Bible says his mercy endures forever. We enjoy peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding and the love envelopes us. And that is the joy of our salvation. And not only that, the Bible says in this verse too that all these benefits will be multiplied unto us. What a privilege. And uh, we jump into, uh, jump to verse three and it says beloved. The first few verses of these uh, scriptures, they are so nice, they are loving. They are loving words from uh, Jude unto us. And uh, towards the end of this uh, scripture, there's also good uh, words because we see the benediction that says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. But in between, there the, the, the are more instructions that are tough and hard instructions for us. And uh, we'll be looking at it. And it says, beloved, although I was very eager, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. And uh, looking at very eager to talk to us about common salvation, what is Jude saying here? Jude is talking to us that he would have preached about some other things, like we maybe we, we must have heard from preachers that uh, maybe when they start uh, preparing for message and sometimes uh, there will be a change of uh, direction maybe by the Holy Spirit and they'll be like, ah, it's like Holy Spirit is telling me to speak on another topic. Maybe that is what has happened to Jude. He could have spoken about encouraging sermons, following Jesus. He's talking about common salvation, celebrating salvation, talking about sweet relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. He would have rather preached some sweet and encouraging stuff talk about heaven, but he found it necessary. It's, it's, there's a kind of conviction by the Holy Spirit impressed in his heart that he should speak on another thing. And what is it that is is admonishing us today on? He said he found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. And as our topic says, Fight for the faith is gotten from this phrase. What is it to contend? Looking at other version of the scripture, it says defend, defend the truth. It said join the struggle for the truth. Message version of the scripture says that you fight with everything you have in you for the faith entrusted to us as a gift to God and cherish. When we are looking at fight the faith, it means a lot. It's not going to be a palatable thing. Jude is encouraging us, but when we fight as children of God for the faith, when we fight as children of God concerning things of the kingdom, we are sure that we are in need with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called, we have been saying it, we, we have said it during this uh, message that we are called for a purpose. This is one of our callings, to fight for the faith. 
and we are called to be soldiers of Christ to fight. And the good news is that the commander of the army is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has a quality. He has never lost a battle and he will never lose any battle. This is the kind of battle you are rest assured that before you start, you already won because he is with you. We are in the army now. We are in the army of God. Let us take note that this is our collective effort. We are all going to fight the fight of faith as long as you are a follower of Christ. And the question before us is, what are we fighting for? And we have said it, we are fighting for the faith. And what is this faith that we are fighting for? The term faith is the body of Christian truth as given in the New Testament. This, the, the faith we are talking about is not a, uh, the statement of, I have faith, uh, I believe in God. No. It is the faith which is the apostles' doctrine, as it is written in the, the Act of Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42. They gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, which is the truth the apostle passed on, like the breaking of bread, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayers. Some faith are used throughout the New Testament. If you look at the Second Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 5, Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. And 1 Timothy 4:1 says, the Spirit clearly says that in later days, in later times, some will abandon the faith. That is the faith we are talking about. And Apostle Paul said, I have fought the, faith, the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I hope we, we, we too will be able to declare this statement that we have fought the good fight and we have finished the race. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Amen. The faith is the complete New Testament teaching concerning Jesus Christ. It's a New Testament teaching concerning who is God, who is Jesus Christ. How do someone get saved? The work of salvation baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the rest. Talking about, we are still in verse 3, talking about how to contend. He said we should contend for the faith. How do we contend? We can contend and not be a contentious person. We don't need to fight and exchange blow with anyone. No, it is not uh, the, the, the behavior of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. How do we give the reason for the hope we have? We need to understand the word of the Lord. We need to tell them the truth in the word. How do we fight? How do we contend? The call for this, the call for all of us is to build up the church and defend the faith. We should build up the church and defend the faith against those who are trying to destroy. We can fight. And we can still smile. 
because the, the weapon for our fighting is not carnal. The Bible says the weapon of our warfare, they, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through Christ to the pulling down of strongholds. We are not using physical weapon. Our weapon is the word of the Lord. The most powerful weapon in the world is the truth. Fight for the faith. And as much as we are fighting for the faith, we should fight with faith. As much as we are fighting for the truth, we will fight with truth, which is very, very necessary. Content and be nice. Fight with gentleness. We are not fighting by slandering. We are not fighting to, to give it its uh, speech or malign people, make nasty posts on social media. No. Jesus contended with Satan. He did it with Herod, with the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and he did it with the truth. Jesus told Satan, he said, it is written. That's the word of God. And that's how we need to equip ourselves so that we'll be able to fight the faith. We were able to fight for the faith. The truth about faith, looking back to verse 3, he said, Contend for the faith. He said, Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith we are talking about is once and for all times delivered to the saints. That statement is very, very important. Jude is giving us an instruction and is warning us and is telling us everything about the scripture has been given to us. The Bible in our hand, the one on your, on your, on your phone or on your device. They have been given to us. This scripture, the faith has been given to us once and for all. And there's no addition. There is no suppression. Nothing, absolutely nothing was forgotten that has to be in another book. The book, <clears throat> the Bible with us is complete. Nothing was left out of the scripture that is written somewhere. No. Let's not be deceived. There are, actually, we should not be confused that um, there are books that are written by children of God that has its basis in the truth, which is the scripture. I mean, they have foundation in the word of God. We can read good books. But even while we are reading these books, while we are listening to preaching, while we are, we are, we are, we are, we are reading contents, we should compare it with the word of the Lord because that is the basis for the faith that we are fighting. And let us read verse 4 of the scripture again. It says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. This scripture, this verse 4 is telling us about uh, the characteristics of false teachers. The apostate. The book of Jude was written about the apostasy. The apostates are those who defected from the true faith or those that never had the true faith but pretended to be a part of the follower of Christ. And uh, this verse 4 has enumerated uh, the four characteristics that I'm just going to talk about 
briefly. The first one is crept in unnoticed. The second one, ungodly. The third one, pervert the grace of God into sensuality. And the fourth one is deny Christ. Let me talk about the, the first one, crept in unnoticed. Jude is warning us, these false prophets, these people that want to contend with the faith, they want to, they want to withdraw the faith from us. They want to put a lot of things in what we have. They want to hide, they want to surprise. He said we should contend with them. They are already in our midst. They crept in unnoticed, we didn't know. They slipped in secretly. They are deceitful. They pretended to be Christian. Many of them, they are in our midst. They speak Christian languages. They tell us shalom. And Jesus warned every one of us. He warned us that they will be coming. Paul and Peter warned us that they will be coming. But Jude is telling us today that they are already in our midst. They have coming. They crept in. We didn't know. If they had told us that they are coming, we wouldn't have allowed them. And the next point uh, in that verse 4 is ungodly, which is the second characteristics enumerated in that um, verse 4. And says the word of that is ungodly. This word ungodly is written by Jude in this uh, chapter, in this uh, write-up, in about four to six places. He so much loved this word, ungodly. And um, the ungodly people, they are already in our midst. That is their characteristics. He said they have personal claim to be like God, but they are not like God in living and in thinking. They don't have the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should take note. And some of the characteristics we are going to, uh, 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 the definition of this ungodly, I want to read the second Timothy chapter three, verse five that says, having the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. We need to avoid such people. They are dangerous people because they easily influence others. These characteristics of the first teacher, once they are in our midst, the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Once they are in our midst, there's a way they influence the congregation. They influence people negatively. They preach their doctrine and they back it up even with the scripture. We have to be very careful about these people. That's one of their characteristics. And another characteristic of false teachers is pervert the grace of God into sensuality. As in, they are manipulators of grace. Uh, sensuality from other uh, version of the scripture is uh, lewdness. Uh, they call it licentiousness, which means uh, immoral. It's when somebody lives for and only think about satisfying their own passion, is our own desired lust. They want everybody to believe their definition of morality. That has no basis in the word of the Lord. They want us to believe that even through the scripture, they can define their immorality. No, we are not going to support their immorality. And uh, these characteristics, we should look out for it in our midst. They preach the gospel of freedom. They want to tell us, yeah, you are saved by grace. Then 
you can do anything. You can do whatever you want. God is good. Yes, our God is good. He's loving. He's tolerant. Just declare that you are a Christian, and that's all. They use the scripture to promote their beliefs. They want everybody to agree that their belief is in the scripture. We have to be careful. Brethren, I want us to please uh, not think, uh, okay, this is in IBCBI. Yes, it's not impossible that we have it in, uh, we have a first prophet in IBCBI, but we are not praying for that. But we are looking beyond, because this message, the word of Jude is written to all of us, all the Christian globally. This is written to every child of God here or not. And this can happen anywhere. We are all fighting for the faith. We are fighting so that wherever we see it, we will rise up to speak again. The grace of God that we receive is a godly grace. The grace of God we receive is for godly living. And we have freedom and, and we have freedom in Christ. But when we talk of these people, they will tell you the definition of their own freedom. Their own freedom, it has no boundary. It has no sin. They can live anywhere, they can say anything, they can have any posture every day, and they can do anything. No. But the Lord Almighty has delivered unto us. But not the least point is deny Christ. They want to name the name of Christ, but not obedient to his words. No obedience to the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of people that Jude is talking about, the characteristics of the first teachers. If we look at the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 46, the Bible says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? This is the characteristic. They call Lord, Lord. They speak the language of the church, but they are not obedient to the master. Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. They may be naming the name of the Lord, but they need to do the will of the Father in heaven. Anything outside this, it is not the faith of the master that has been delivered to us. These people, they deny Christ in so many ways. They said Jesus did not die. We must have heard all these doctrines. We must have heard all these teachings. Some of them, we said Jesus is a powerful man. He's a man of God. He's very, very powerful. He raised the dead. Uh, he healed the sick. How can he die? He cannot. That he was just nailed on the cross of Calvary and angels came and took him away. He didn't die. That is part of their story. That's how they deny Christ because that is not the scripture that is handed over to us. And we all know that when the issue when, when, when the true faith, when our faith, when the word of the Lord is being removed or added, is, is being removed as it is written, then there's a problem. We all know that when we say that Jesus did not die, then it, it, is, a, it is a false teaching. He died and he resurrected. And some people, they have this teaching that 
he didn't resurrect. Some of them, they said, ah, he's a great prophet and he's not God. No. So many politicians, they stylishly, they came to church and they tried to preach it. We have to be watchful. We have to understand that they are already in our midst. And may the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Brethren, I want us to please bow down our head as we pray. And uh, let us begin to reflect on what we have shared today. Please let us close our eyes and bow down our heart as we pray. We have been called to fight. Let us remember that we have been called to fight the fight, the fight of the faith. We have been called to speak the truth. How do we speak the truth when we don't know the truth? We have been called to speak the truth in season and out of season. And when we are speaking the truth, we are showing the love. The true love is by speaking the truth. Our Lord Jesus Christ came and he spoke. He spoke the truth and that's the truth that was delivered to us. And that's the word of life. Can we reflect on the word that we have heard today? Let us pray. Let us talk to the Lord. Let's come to times that we need to study the word of the Lord. We need in season out of season to sit down and fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we should study to show ourselves approved. We should prepare to join the God's army and to contend for the faith as we have been taught by Jude. We need to understand our Lord Jesus Christ and know his lifestyle so that we will live in him. Yes, and we need to influence our environment, our children. We have our children to ourselves. Let us educate them about the word of the Lord. The neighbors, the staffs, the family members, we have our network of influence. Let us rise up and preach the gospel. The, the, Jesus says, will I still find faith when I come? Let us look into the word of the Lord. Let us study the word of the Lord. Let us fight the faith. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the opportunity you have given unto us this day. We thank you for your word of life that you have sent to us. We pray, Lord Almighty, as you have instructed us, give us the strength, give us the enablement to be ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all our ways, in all the days of our lives, we will always love the Lord and do his way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.